Bible? I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. That I will meditate therein. Both day and night. On a chapter in the morning. And a chapter in the evening. And because I do. My life is blessed. It's no more a mess. Now everything I touch. Everything I touch. Turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Amen, amen. Just want to welcome everybody live on Facebook. We are so glad to have you a part of our service. We believe that God's got a mighty word for you. So lock in with us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this another opportunity to meditate your word. Your word, O God, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We do ask that you shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. You are teaching us your word and showing us your love that we may come up higher. We pray that you'll give us eyes that see and hearts that are open and receptive to your word. That not one of us will leave confused or unclear about what it is that you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open with me in your Bible, if you would, as we continue on our second part of a brand new series called Perfecting Love. Uh, This is a very, very powerful message that I'm about to share with you, and I'm going to try to contain myself. In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, we have the foundation for this entire series. I'll just have a couple more weeks on this note. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says there is no fear in love. When you think about light and darkness, light expels darkness. With a powerful enough light, there could be no darkness in the presence of light. And in the same way, because of the nature of love, the power of love, fear cannot exist in the same moment. There is no fear in love. He goes on to say that perfect love casts out fear. Just like light casts out darkness, perfect love casts out fear. Now, the word perfect there doesn't mean flawless. It means fully grown, complete, or fully mature. That fully grown love, that complete love, that fully mature love cast out fear. That gives you the indication that if it's not fully grown, if it's immature, or if love in you is incomplete, fear could also be present. Or areas of fear in your life. What that means is that fear hasn't been made perfect, or excuse me, you have not been made perfect in love. Because the Bible says, fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Our challenge for today, what the Lord has given me to challenge you today, is to see marriage. We're going to talk about marriage today. Like love and marriage, love and marriage, love and go together like a horse and carriage. And I don't know the rest of the song. 
I was going to get a clip and play it, but anyway, save my time. Uh, we're going to talk about love and marriage today. Next week we'll talk about children. But I, the challenge, whether you're married or not, whether you ever want to be married or not, whether you've ever been married or not, young or old, this message is for you. And here's what God is challenging you in this message, is to see message, excuse me, see marriage in a way that you've never seen it before. I don't want you to immediately assume that you know all that there is to need to know, no matter how long you've been married. I want you to approach this message with an open heart and see something you've never seen before. That's the challenge. The purpose of marriage that I want you to see today is perfecting love. As we learn what perfecting love is and why it is, why it exists, what it is, what it's about, the purpose of marriage that I challenge you to see is perfecting love. Another way to say that is the, perfect, the, the purpose of marriage is God giving you the opportunity to perfect love. God gives you in marriage the opportunity to perfect love. That's what marriage's purpose is. It's, it's to give you an opportunity to perfect love. And trust me, in a marriage you will have plenty of practice <laughs> to get it perfect. Let me say it one more, one other way. The purpose of marriage is God giving you the opportunity to love like he loves. For God so loved the world, you've never been loved until you've been so loved. If you could compare the, the love that God has for you to the love of any man or woman, child on this planet, parent, you would think that nothing could compare to the way that God loves you. And the challenge, because it's a perfect love. How many of y'all know God's love is a perfect love? Yeah. Technically, there are no flaws his love for you is fully complete, fully mature, fully grown. And so his purpose in the marriage is he's giving you the opportunity to perfect love or to love, because his love is perfect, to love like he loves. Now, let's get into this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the Bible teaches us, I think that's next, I'm not sure, um, uh, whatever is next after that one, if you could click on that. Is that one next? No, so can you go back? Because I don't know what's next. Um, so the purpose of marriage is God giving you the opportunity to love like he loves. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that hope doesn't disappoint. And the reason why hope doesn't disappoint is because the love of God or the God kind of love has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit who has given who ha, who was given unto us. Now, let's talk about this verse of scripture for a moment because it's very important. You have. God's kind of love in you. It has been poured in you by the Holy Spirit when you got born again. When you got born again, the Holy Spirit came and 
to live on the inside of you. And when he did, he brought the love of God with him and he poured God's kind. How many of y'all know there are four different kinds of love in the Greek language? There's agape, there's storge, there's phileo, and there's eros. And three of the four are human love. So, for example, I learned last night that the word agape, it's a Greek word, but uh, Aristotle, he didn't use it in his writing because it's a strictly biblical or spiritual word. Whereas storge can be found in writings of old and phileo. You can hear different people talk about the love of a brother or even eros is, is something that has existed. But where as it relates to this word called agape, it is in a class all by itself. Humans without God don't have the capacity to love unconditionally. At some point, their love will fall short. Their love will run out. And as a result, when a person tries to love someone in a marriage without God's kind of love, their natural human love at some point, whether it be eros, phileo, storge, at some point, their natural human capacity of love will run short and run out. And that's why we have divorce. So when the Bible talks about in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he is telling you and I that we have the capacity to love like God loves. And that's the first thing you need to know as we set this message up to talk about marriage. Number one, we have the capacity. Say it out loud. I have the capacity to love like God loves. Now, how does God love? He loves unconditionally. He loves you whether you love him or not. He loves you whether you'll leave him or not. He loves you whether you'll hurt him or not. He loves you no matter what. There's nothing that you could do to cause God to stop loving you or to give up on you. Love, God's kind of love, never fails. It never runs out. It believes all. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person, right? So where humans figure, you know, you're hopeless, so I'm out. Love, the God kind of love, if you look at 1 Corinthians 13, its hopes are fadeless. They never run out. He will keep loving and keep loving when everybody else has given up. That is unconditional love. Now, here's the thing. You and I have the capacity to love other people like that. Where many others would give up and stop loving that person, we have the capacity to keep loving them. But notice this. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. How many of y'all have ever heard about the fruit of the Spirit? Now, what's unique about this, this word love is actually agape. So one of the things this verse of scripture tells us is that the fruit of the spirit in our lives is the production of the God kind of love. This also confirms Romans chapter five and verse five that the Holy Spirit poured in us the God kind of love, agape. But notice fruit has to be matured. Is that true? 
I like pears. Not my favorite fruit, but I really like pears. And I want to use this as an example, because if you've ever had a pear that wasn't ripe, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it can have the, the, you can taste the sweetness, but because it's not fully mature, I mean, it's kind of like, man, I wish this was, this could have been a really good one, right? Have you ever had a peach, though, that was, I'm not a peach, but a, that's one's too, amen, but a pear that was perfectly ripe? I mean, you bite into it and your teeth just sink. I mean, juice is running. Come on, y'all help me. Now let me get past this. I mean, you get to, you eat some kind of pears and you, you, you forget that there's a core. <laughs> Maybe even the core is good. You don't eat through. You got the top half and the butt in and you, you're trying to figure out how to chew even all of, you know. I mean, that thing from top to bottom was perfect. It was fully mature. It was complete. It was fully grown. In the same way, we have to mature love in us. Because what he produces in us is not a full grown love. That's up to us. He gives us the capacity and it's up to us to re- to cause it to reach its maximum capacity. So the first thing to note is, number one, we have the capacity to love in marriage and outside of marriage. We have the capacity to love people like God loves. But then number two, we also have a command to love. So these are two things I need you to know right up front. You have the capacity But you also have a command. Not only do you have the capability, you are commanded to love. And in a marriage, a husband is commanded to love his wife. And a wife is commanded to love her husband. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, this is a very profound moment. Because somebody asked Jesus, Which is the greatest commandment in all the law? In verse 36, they said, teacher, tell us out of all the commandments in the Bible, which one is number one? Now, if you could think about that for a moment, immediately you think out of the Ten Commandments, which one is number one? His answer is not one of the ten. And if you know anything about the Bible, there are more than just ten commandments in the book. The Ten Commandments are the main commandments, but there are other commandments. Matter of fact, there's two great commandments, as we're about to see. And then there's a host. All of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy contain commands. You shall do this and you shall do that and you shall do this and you shall do that. Well, hey, they ask him of out of the hundreds of laws and commands, what's the greatest? You want to know his answer? In verse 37, Jesus said to him. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all. Now, notice this. You shall. Right. That's a command. Now, have you ever thought about that command, though? God commanded his people to love him. Is that weird? Now, I'm married. Wouldn't it be weird if I commanded Marquita to love me? I command and said, you shall love me. With all your heart, come on, all your soul, all your, right? That's just weird. I mean, how many of y'all know it should just be automatic? If we're married, it should be, even without asking, that she loves me. I shouldn't have to tell her that. So what's going on? Why did God have to command his people to love him? I'm glad you asked. In the Old Testament, they did not have the capacity to do what we can do. 
So he had to hedge them by telling them what to do that gave him the ability to do for them what he couldn't do if they didn't do what they what he commanded them to do. Right. Because they were told to love him, they did their best to love him. And as a result of doing their best to love him, he was able to bless them and, you know, do for them exceedingly. Right. So he had to command them. They didn't have the nature of God in the New Testament. We looked at this last week. First, John four and 19 says we love him. Not because he commanded us. First, John four, 19 says we love him because he first loved us. Kind of like the ugly ducking. We woke up, saw God, and we're like, Daddy, come on. We just love him automatically, right? We don't have to be told to love God. There's, if you look at this in the New Testament, not one time does anyone from Jesus to Paul to Peter, nobody commands the church to love God the same way they were commanded in the Old Testament. Because they don't have what we have. We have the Holy Spirit in us. There's an automatic love for God that shows up. But he had to command. What else did he command them? Jesus said, the, this is the first and great commandment. And the second one is just like it. Here's the second command. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. So in the Old Testament, God did command people to love him. But the second thing he did, he's commanded them to love each other. What I want you to see on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, but when you think about that second great commandment, you're to love other people like you love yourself. I'm glad that's not our commandment. And if you've been trying to live by those two, that's great. I want to I want to update you. I want to update your operating system and your firmware because those are Old Testament commandments. And on these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Matter of fact. All of the Ten Commandments hang on these two. You anybody have a curtain rod and on the curtain rod or, or the shower curtain, you got all those little rings on the curtain rod of these two commandments hang all the Ten Commandments. See, if you love God and love your neighbor like you love yourself, you're not going to murder your neighbor. Come on. You're not going to covet your neighbor. You're not going to worship some other God. If you love God is come on. If you love him with all your heart, then you're not going to break anyone. Matter of fact, this is how Jesus was able to live without sinning. He just focused on these two because everything else is hinges upon this. So I'm going to love you like I love me and I'm going to love God more than I love anything. But notice there's a fault here. What if you don't like yourself? Then you are really going to struggle to love somebody else. And so I'm glad that Jesus gave us a brand new commandment. In John chapter 13, verse 34, the Bible says here, Jesus says to his disciples, not about the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, he says, I've got one commandment. You got one job. <laughs> Here's your one job that I give you. I want you to agape one another. The one another that we're going to talk about today is husband and wife in, in a marriage. I want everybody to see this, whether you're married or not. I want you to see marriage differently than you ever have, because you are commanded by the Lord to love them unconditionally. You have the capacity, but not only do you have the capacity, you have a command. Where's the command in John 13, 34? And notice this command is different than the, the previous ones. 
This time, he says, I don't want you to love one another like you love yourself. Because I know that that, that's a deficiency. I want you to love one another like I love you. Woo, I'm preaching good already. Now, we sing it, Jesus loves me. This I know, right? For the Bible tells me so. And we know how he, oh, how he, come on, loves you and me. I mean, we, we, we know how he loves us. He died for us. He prays for us. Come on. He gives, oh, I mean, if we really want to learn how to love one another, we would just look at and develop and mature and, and, and like, oh, he loves me when I mess up. Come on. Right? When I make mistakes, he loves me. He forgives me. He prays for me. He protects me. And he says, I want you to love one another the way that I love you. Hallelujah to Jesus. So he gives us a command. Say it out loud. I am commanded to love like God loves. To be even more specific in a marriage in Ephesians chapter five, verse 33, God commands the husband to love his wife. Notice, however, let each husband, each man of you without exception. Right. Love his wife. And that's agape. That's not phileo. That's not storge. That's not eros. I want you to love her at the highest level, unconditionally, being in a sense as your very own self. He goes on to say, and let the wife see that she essentially love her husband. Well, the word in the word respect and revere is love. How many of y'all, if you love someone, you respect them. And if you love someone, you revere them. But it goes on. The B part of this verse says, see that she notices him regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him. Oh, this is a good scripture. Uh, (laughs) Esteems him, defers to him, praises him. Where's my wife today? Loves (laughs) this this service, golly, and admires him exceedingly. Now, you can tell a man wrote this verse, right? Because he just went off on her part. You know, just love her like you love yourself or, you know, to the same extent. But what you may not know is the verses previous to this. This is actually the second time he's telling the husband in verse 25. He says, husband, love your wives like Christ loved the church. He gave himself for it. Wash her with the washing of the word, so forth and so on. This is the Amplified. He noticed. But notice in the word notice and all of these things are what love does. A fully mature, a complete, a fully grown love notices him. I, 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 I shared this with my wife. It matters to me when she notices me. And I assume then that it matters to her that I notice her. But we're talking about me, so let me get my point out. <laughs> if I were to come home and she doesn't notice it, that's a big deal. I'm like, hello? And she's like, you know, but if she's like, oh, I see it in my kids eyes. Oh, they come to the door. She don't come to the door. <laughs> Somebody said, move on. OK, I will. <laughs> the bottom line is the wife is commanded to love the husband and the husband is commanded to love the wife and not love at our levels, but love in an unconditional sense. So, but why? 
Why does he command us to love in marriage? I mean, really, when you think about marriage, what was God thinking? Like the guy that did the movie, why did I get married? Because when you look at it, about half of people that get married don't stay married. That was a statistic when I was young. It's a statistic to this day that over 50 percent of every marriage ends in divorce. If we would ask for a show of hands, I'm not. Those that have experienced this tragedy in life, over 50 percent of the people here today would have their hand to go up. And then of the other half that remain married, it seems like they ain't happy. (laughs) I'm being for real. So you got like 25% of people that are married that are actually really enjoying it. What was God thinking? That doesn't seem like, because marriage was invented and established institution of God. So why did he, or in other words, good question, what is the purpose? Why marriage? Why are we, why did he give us marriage? Um, You know, God created the angels. Angels don't get married. Neither are they given in marriage. He created the animals. We'll know. We'll find out next week. Animals don't normally travel in families or they don't have families. You know, a bird on the on the on the string doesn't know that that's a brother or sister or a cousin or what. They're hatched and they are gone. Right. Mama bird, daddy bird don't stay together. (laughs) I mean, at least with some penguins, there is some monogamous. But they, they don't cultivate family. But God created the animals. God created the angels. But when he created the human being, he instituted and established marriage. Why did he do that? Is my question for today. And I'm challenging you to see something about marriage that you've never seen. In other words, what is the purpose of marriage? Someone said, and listen carefully, that if you don't know The purpose of a thing, abuse, is inevitable. Could it be that over 50% of every marriage ends in divorce because we don't know the real God-ordained purpose of a marriage? So we're not doing it right. And so when I stop loving you or when I fall out of love with you, I'm gone. When God never stops loving, falls out of Or gives up on us. See, when you don't know the purpose of the thing, abuse is inevitable. A shovel was designed to be a shovel, not a hammer. Some of you guys are already thinking about that time that you needed a hammer, but you got the shovel. You're abusing. I know, you know, abuse in context, but you are you are abuse. It's a wrong. That's not what it was intended for. And a hammer was not made to be used as a screwdriver. But yet we try it. You know, a screwdriver was not made to be a spoon or or whatever the case. When you do not know the purpose of the thing, the wrong use of it, whether at a minor or a major level, it is inevitable. My challenge to you is, do you know what the purpose of marriage is? Could it be that marriages don't do as well as they should because we don't know the purpose? Our challenge today is to see marriage in a way that we've never seen it before. Let me give you the purpose. 
The purpose of marriage is perfecting love. Say that out loud. The purpose of marriage is perfecting love. I believe with all my heart from what I've seen in the word of God, the reason why God created and established the institution of marriage was so that you would have the opportunity to perfect love because you need perfected love. Another way to say that is the purpose of marriage is God giving you the opportunity to love like he loves. And I want to examine that thought in the light of scripture. Here's the challenge. I want you to see marriage as an an assignment to love at the highest level humanly possible. Years ago, when I asked Marquita to marry me, I knew what I'm teaching you today. Marriage is not about you. It's not about what you want, and it's not about what you need. People get married for those two wrong reasons all the time. I want a man. I want a wife. I don't want to be by myself. I want a family. I've always dreamed of having this or that. Or I need a man. (laughs) I need a wife. I don't want to die alone. I don't want to be. I need the security of a husband. I'll marry this guy and there's a lot I don't like him, but I just need the sense of security. That's the wrong reason. To get married. I believe in what I'm going to show you in the scriptures. Just like phenomenal. God intends for marriage to be a lifetime assignment to love someone like he loves them. So I was content. I was unmarried and I was doing the work of God. But he stirred in me that I needed to love someone like he loves them. And I believe that he brought this woman to me as in an assignment. He has given me the, he loved her so much that he gave her me. Come on, come on. That's what I believe. That's my truth. He, no, I'm telling you, God looked down from heaven. And he loves her. And he saw her like that. He said, You know what? I got something for you. I want God said, I want to express my love to you in a human form. And he gave me the assignment to love her like he loves her because his love is limited in the flesh. He'd have to move miraculously to hug us physically. We can feel the emotional capacity of God. We, we know the spiritual capacity of God, but his arms are in heaven. And so what he does in the to express to. Oh, man, y'all going to enjoy this. What's my next slide? So in Genesis. Now, think about this. Now, I'm going to take you through a journey of scripture. And I'm going to prove what I'm saying from the word of God. You all remember in the book of Genesis, chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And then he gives us a day by day account of all of creation. Light be. I mean, darkness separated the sun. The moon was created in the day and night. It was the first day. Then he separated the waters from the firmament, firmament and all that. And the day and night was the first day. Then he created the plant kingdom and all of this. And then he created the birds of the air da, 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 and all that. Then he created all the animals that worked on the ground day and night. It was the first day. And each time he created something, it was good. Right. And he saw it and it was good. OK, the next day. 
and he saw it and it was good. And then the next day and he saw it and then it was good. And in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, he says, all right, guys, talking about father, son and Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man. Y'all do know that the father, son and the Holy Spirit were all involved in the creation. Right. In Genesis one twenty-six, the Bible says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. There was a council. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was in the earth moving over the face of the waters. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. That was Jesus. So all three of them were in the beginning. So when He said in verse 26, let us make man in our image. Think about it. God is love. In the image of God made He, Him, male and female made He. We, who, gosh, are love beings created to love like he loves so watch this so love says let's make man now that was genesis chapter one and in genesis chapter two we see the micro story of the making of man he formed man out of the dust of the ground breathed into his nostrils the breath of life he became a living soul he placed him in a garden that was beautiful gave him a job dress and keep the garden then he gave him another job name all the animals but then one day he shows up in genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 the bible looked at this situation the god looked at this situation and said it's not good that man should be alone i'm going to make him a helper comparable to him watch this god Everything he made, everything he did, it was good. It was good. It was good. But when he made man and saw him in the garden without a wife, he said, that can't be good. (laughs) That can't be good. Right. Now, this is phenomenal. What's wrong with it, though? What is God seeing that we're missing? Think about Adam's position. He woke up to the creator of the universe breathing life into him is there anything missing in adam he doesn't know human relationship right so he's not oh it would be nice if i had a girlfriend (laughs) i want a man you know i want to i want a wife i want to be able to do i want somebody to hang out with he walks with god in the morning in the cool of the day what relational what spiritual he's got he's got god i mean what is at from adam's perspective there's no lack and that's really how you should be before you get married, complete, wanting nothing in a good place, in a relationship with God before you try to love somebody else. He's in a love relationship with God. But remember this, love always gives the advantage. Another way to say that is love always has your best interests at heart. And love will never leave you in a bad situation. He said it's not good. Opposite of good is bad. There's something bad about Adam being by himself. What's bad about it? He doesn't. Okay. Have you ever done something that was so good, so fun, so exciting, so fulfilling that you wanted other people to do it? Anybody ever been there? I had that experience on Friday night. Um, help me out. <laughs> um, I had that experience on Friday. I went, I, we had date night, and I went to go see Harriet. And uh, matter of fact, uh, Brother Noel said he and his girlfriend, his wife, come on. 
I still got a girlfriend too. Just she's my girlfriend and my wife are the same. Come on, don't don't get nervous. I still got a girlfriend. I know our kids are young, but man, somebody gonna have to figure this out. But I'm going with my girl, right? So my wife and I we went on date night, and um, there was something that was drawing me. I I don't like slavery movies. Because, you know, just like, oh, man, last time I think it was like 12 years of slave, I left mad at white people. <laughs> I did. I mean, I did. I left mad at white people. But check this out. I watched Harriet, and I left, and I didn't have that. The way they made this movie was phenomenal. I want every, have you ever experienced something so good, so fun, so excited, so fulfilling? This movie was so fulfilling. I want everybody to God. This is why I'm taking time in the service to be the marketing person for Harriet the movie. <laughs> I want white people to see it. I want black people to see it. I want Hispanic. You know why? Because it is a movie about unconditional love. I learned some things about the story of Harriet Tubman that I had not. I, I knew she was a person who freed slaves. But as we get close to the end of this, you're going to see this woman was a born again Christian who stood on the word of God, who followed the voice of the Holy Spirit and loved her family. Powerful, powerful story. So think about what's going in the heart of mind of God that he's looking at Adam and saying, this is not good. What's bad about it? And think with me for a moment, though. So it's not good that man should be alone. What is Adam missing? Love always gives the advantage. What, what disadvantage does Adam have that God has? What is in Adam's best interest? To fast forward, Adam doesn't have the ability to love like God loves at this moment. He's made in the image and likeness of God. He has the capacity to, but he doesn't have the ability to because there's nobody like him to love. What is he like? He's fallible. God loved Adam through his mistake. See, the love that Adam has for God, God is perfect. He's never going to have to use unconditional. Y'all got to help me preach today. Adam will never have to use unconditional love on God because God will never make a mistake. But God does have and will have to use unconditional love on Adam because he will make a mistake. And the purpose for marriage is God giving you the opportunity to love like he loves unconditionally. It's not about you. Marriage was never about you. It was about God giving you an assignment to love somebody that was going to make mistakes and to love them through their imperfections, their blunders, their blow ups. That's what he does with us. Let's examine it from the scriptures. It's getting kind of quiet. I know it's heavy. All right. So our challenge is to see marriage as an assignment. Because uh, God is an assignment from God to love at the highest level humanly possible. Marriage is an assignment from God. It is God asking you to love this person like he loves you. That's how it all began. So we looked at Genesis chapter 2. We looked at verse 18. Love is that thing for God that he experienced that was so good, so exciting, so fun, so fulfilling that he wanted Adam to experience the same thing. 
He wanted Adam to experience what it's like to love somebody unconditionally. And so he put Adam to sleep. In Genesis chapter two. Oh, let me say this. Um, Okay, I already said that. Okay, Genesis chapter two, verse twenty one. Am I doing okay today? All right. The, the, the Lord God caused Adam to have a deep sleep. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed the flesh in his place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made it into a woman and he brought her to a man. This is the assignment. This is God bringing him an assignment. I want you to see it from that perspective. See marriage as an assignment to love. So imagine what this is like. You're complete. You're whole. You're entire. You're unmarried. And you're happy. You got God. You're walking with him. Got great relations. You got all this great place. You don't even know what it's like to be without. Right. But then one day you sleep real heavy one day and you wake up and you're like. And then all of a sudden this voice that you hear in the cool of the day approaches. And you see God, something emerge from him. And it's like. Whoa. Wow. And he brought her to him. I believe in Genesis 22 uh, 22 and 22, it is God presenting him. I want you to love her. We know God is the same. He commanded love. I want you to love her like I love you. And I want you to see it as a sign of love on the highest level possible. Okay. If you don't have someone who God has ordained in your life to love at a high level, then you are extremely disadvantaged. I'm not saying you have to get married. Not everybody will. But what I'm saying is, if you don't have someone that God has assigned to you, children are assignment of God. We'll talk about them next week, okay? Um, But if you're a person that doesn't have someone in your life that God has assigned for you to love, at a high level, you're extremely disadvantaged because you exist unto yourself. If you've taken the position, I'm never getting married, but you've taken that position from the wrong reason, you're missing out on an opportunity of a lifetime. If God would dare to give you this assignment, you should be thrilled and esteemed or honored because this is so fun, so fulfilling, so exciting. To love at this level. It was why he said it's not good. I'm giving him an advantage. Okay. Let's go a little bit further. Um, Oh, we get to talk about sex. Okay. In verse. In verse 23. Adam, when he saw this woman come forward. He said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He must have knew that prophetically. Also, verse 24, he says, and therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, when he said there's therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother at this moment, Adam was the first man. There is no father. The concept, that's like a brand new word in the world. And mother, he's speaking this prophetically. But now let's get past that because you all are quiet on that. But notice Adam said, therefore, man shall be joined to his wife. This in verse 24 is the establishment of marriage. And the way it works 
is you are supposed to be joined to her. You become husband and wife. You receive an opportunity to love like God loves. And he goes on to say, and the two shall become one flesh. And that specifically refers to sexual intimacy in a marriage. What was God thinking when he designed marriage? Marriage is absolutely unique. In a marriage, you have the ability to do something that can't be done on any other level. You get to love like God loves at the highest level humanly possible. Humanly possible. Let me explain. How many of you love your kids? That's all of us. Should be. Amen. Unless they're older. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Okay. But you love your kids. But there's limits to that. The older they get, we see those limits show up even more. At a young age, there's nothing we would do for them. Now they're older, well, you know, you're on your own. (laughs) So there's limits, right? How many of you love your parents? All right, well, I love mom and dad, love them, man. Yeah, but there's limits. I'm going to explain. How many of you love other people other than your kids and your parents? Well, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna use Brother Demetrius as an example. I love Brother Demetrius. All right. Hey, man. Good to see you. Okay. Now, the love I have for him is the same love I have for my wife. I don't have Storge. I'm not his mom, right? I don't have Phileo. I mean, I got Phileo. Okay. I don't have Eros. Amen. Okay. But really, when God commanded me to love one another, he commanded me to agape, love him unconditionally. And that's the same love that I'm commanded to love my wife. So the love I have for him is at the highest level. It's at the highest kind of love. And the love I have for her is agape. I don't I don't love her at those low levels. Because I've got a higher level of love. How many of them, that would diminish a marriage if I loved her with a brotherly love? Or it would diminish her marriage if I loved her just with a sexual love. That, that, that's all she is to me. Right? It would even diminish if I loved her as a parent would love a child. No. I get to love her unconditionally, which is the highest kind of love that exists. So, but what's the difference here? I love him. I love her. Sex is the difference. This is about all he's going to get. I mean, may, maybe not too long there, brother. Right? right? Not, not too much. Right. And, and certainly oh, two no. dudes. Two, two <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor, so I deal with people in different emotional moments, you know, and that's understandable. Man, you know, so sometimes we got a full-on embrace, and I'm like, okay, brother, you know, I know you're going through that. So now the Bible says greater love have no man than, than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. So we're talking about high, high, high kinds of love. The kind of love I have has the capacity to die for Marquita. But also, if, if you don't know this, um, the kind of love I have for you is the kind that would die for you. You know, if something jumped off and I reacted without fully, fully, fully thinking. <laughs> And I stepped in for your defense. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, and people do that. You, you know, without thinking, you run and you save some and even at the sacrifice. But notice, even there's a hesitation when it comes because I got a wife. 
that I got to now fit. So there's limits already. My human level of capacity won't run into a burning building to deliver him as fast as I would if it was my child. There's unconscious. I mean, boom, I'm in it. If I'm gone, y'all take care of him, right? Same thing with the wife. So there's limits here. In marriage, you get, you and I get to do something at the highest level. Thank you very much. Give him a hand clap. At the highest level humanly possible. And that's what the purpose of sex is. If you could play something softly for me. Um, the purpose of sex is the expression of love. It never was intended simply for pleasure or procreation. When he said the two shall become one, it released the fullest capacity in a human form of the expression of love. God would have to work miraculously to show up and physically hug me. But he gave me Marquita. And when she hugs me, it is the expression of God's love for me. Because he knows all my failures. He knows all my mistakes. And he gave her me anyway. He gave me her anyway. And so when he, when she wraps her arms around me and holds, give me a real tight hug, she's expressing love to me. When she takes her little cold feet and put them on my leg, right? Brother D, he can't do that, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> what, what are you doing, dog? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, Pastor, I love you. Like, okay, man. <laughs> But see, when she does it, she can take her feet and love me with her feet. I can take my arm and just put it around her and express that I love her. And then in the most intimate sense, we can take parts of our body to express. It was never. See, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. Sexual intimacy was never about you in the moment. It's about you saying, I love you unconditionally. I love you like God loves. I don't love nobody else like this. That makes it sacred. Right? It sets it apart from, you can't be sexually intimate with your children. That's molestation. You go to jail for that. Right? Right? So there are limits, right? But not on that level. So that's what I mean. Marriage is an assignment to love at the highest level humanly possible. When I saw Harriet the movie, and I'm done. When I saw Harriet the movie, it really touched me so deep. Because I received the revelation in life of how to love like God loves. And I saw something in this story that she had the love of God in her. She got free and was getting restored and, 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 and was doing okay. But it just kept coming up. Her husband's back there still. And then she had a vision of, of her husband. Do you know why she went back? It wasn't because she had this 
great desire to be a world-renowned slave freer. She went back for her husband. When she got back and her husband was already married because he thought she was dead, she got her brothers and her sisters and delivered them. Well, you got your family, right? You're good. I got to go back. Why are you going back? My mom and my dad are still in slavery. I got to go get them. But you might die. I got to go back. That's what love does. I want to challenge you. Bow your heads for a moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you about perfecting love? Have you seen marriage, whether you are or not, whether you want to be or whether you don't want to be, the way that God intended? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice as I'm way over time that not one of us will ever be the same as a result of what we've heard today. That we will all see marriage differently. That we will be different. That we will love differently. And that from this day forward, we will purpose in our heart to love like you love, given the situation or the opportunity. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you got anything out of the service today? Amen. Um, I want to apologize for being over time, but it was just really, 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 really good today. So thank you for allowing me to go long. Um, next week, we'll talk about kids. And then the week after that, we'll talk about loving other people. You really don't want to miss next week because it gives us the purpose of kids. It'll explain why he decided for families to exist. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, can I pray for you before you go? I know that.